0: You're listening to the Oz Movies podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back everybody to the Oz Network as we come to you today for another spoiler-free review of a movie that we've already covered. But we're gonna cover it again because I wasn't on the episode, and apparently I'm that type of person who feels left out that you need to do another episode to make me feel better. We're here to talk about the latest DC EU movie Shazam! I thought this was the one with Shaquille O'Neal in it, but that's a different movie altogether. Uh, I also would like to say that this is the second Captain Marvel movie in the space of a month, and clearly the better one, because we'll find out why during this episode. My name is Ben, and hands, lightning in my hands, lightning in my hands, lightning in my hands.
1: hands. (laughs) I haven't been prepared to use that for two weeks. <laughs> um, Say my name. Colin. No, no, no. No. The, the other thing that I say to turn into this.
0: <laughs> say my name. Say my name. Sorry, I'm just not saying Disney's child. Um... This movie's great. Can we just say that? Oh, it's <laughs> a <laughs> um, I, I, I posted on Twitter, basically, as soon as I left this movie, saying, like, you know, DC dominating again or something, and somebody replies to me, again? What are you talking about? Because, you know, it has that pretty um, y- y- that the thing that everyone thinks all DC movies suck. Can I just say, this is the seventh one now, and based on critics, pretty much the third one that everyone, I think, love. Um. Well, three and a half. Some people like Man of Steel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But based on all the seven we've had, I think we've had seven great films. So yeah. here we are again, the Oz Network defending the DC EU because <laughs> it should be defended.
1: But this movie doesn't need defending because it's awesome. I'm sure I've mentioned this many times in the whole argument Marvel versus DC. Can we run down the first seven Marvel movies and see how many of those were very average? I mean, Iron Man 2 fell into that, Thor, um, the Incredible Hulk. I mean, I'm, I like the Incredible Hulk, but like track record, you know, when you have 20 movies or 21 movies or whatever is they have now, obviously you're going to have more hits than you have misses. And it's just it, it always seemed unfair that DC was compared to Marvel when Marvel was doing this for years. And now we're at, you know, what, at least two in a row that have really hit, I mean, Aquaman. You know, despite you know, you, the fact you didn't love the movie. I mean, it seems like you were kind of in the minority for that one. And I, I, this I'm one, I'm mean, wanting
0: to watch it again. I'm sort of, you know, yeah, we'll you get to that. <laughs> Yeah.
1: But like this movie, uh, the, well, here's one of the things that bothers me. I'm going to get on a, a rant right away because I've already given, you can listen Do to it. the, the rev- rant away. Jamie and I did two weeks ago. <laughs> but I don't know why everything in the media is still trying to tear down DC, even when it makes no sense. Like, I've seen so many reviews saying DC finally makes a fun movie. What was Aquaman? What, Aquaman <laughs> was, like, full-fledged cartoony fun. And they're like, they finally have brought some humor in. Uh, Aquaman was all humor. And uh, you, you you look at uh, even the new Suicide Squad movie that's coming out, and there were all these stories that came out a couple weeks ago saying, James Gunn's movie is going to be a complete reboot. And everybody's like, oh, so they're forgetting the first one existed. Now in, what, the last couple weeks, like, Viola Davis is coming back. Um, Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, uh, yeah, uh, Jai Courtney is coming back. I mean, yes! If you want to make a, comp- <laughs> if you want to make a complete reboot, you do not bring back Jai Courtney. Period. The first so time ever somebody, somebody like... has
0: uttered an excitement hearing the words Jai Courtney is coming yes. back.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's just it feels like every chance they get, even when they're praising DC, it's always just this slant of oh well dc's not doing it this movie is better than anything Mar- i may go as far as to say this is better than anything marvel has ever made this is one of the greatest superhero movies i have ever seen wow there you go straight
0: from the canadian's mouth that's a that's a big call yeah i it's every review of a dc movie always starts off with oh can it be good can it be good uh i think realistically we've again Pretty much 50% of these films, I think, is critically good now. Uh, Even Justice League, when that first came out, um, people straight away were like, well, at least they're finally making it humorous. Um, Which, you know, we've now got like three in a row where basically they're still saying, oh, well, they've tried this, they've tried that. Like, when does it get to a point where all of a sudden they're like, well, hang on a minute, they've actually achieved this. I'm just looking at the Mm -hmm. first seven films quickly here. So um, four of these films on Rotten Tomatoes have above 50%. So that's half of the films have a higher rating than 50%. And if you go to uh, the DC, uh, the MCU, a lot more of them are above that. But you were mentioning the ones that are in that first seven. So you have Iron Man, brilliant film. Incredible Hulk, often regarded as the black sheep of the MCU and people like to forget about it. Iron Man 2, rubbish. Thor, I liked it, you didn't. Um, Captain America, First Avenger, it's okay. Um, it's not terrible, but you like it, I think a lot more. Marvel's the Avengers, I think it was a little bit overrated. and then Iron Man Three rubbish. And then that's followed mm-hmm. by Thor of the Dark World, rubbish.. The dark so, world. <laughs> so I mean, even the first eight there, you've only got about fifty percent of them, I think are generally considered yep. good films. So, and even you look at the ones here that are often hated, Batman vs. Superman, obviously, you and I defended that to the death, and the extended version is often regarded as quite good compared to the theatrical version. Suicide Squad, yeah, most people hate it. Again, not a bad film. And Justice League, again, much better than people give it credit for. So, mm-hmm. we, we will stand by the fact that we are the defenders of the DCU. and every single time you have a movie that comes out like this, which is great, uh, people still seem to want to shit down all over it, which it just it doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. because this movie, like, I, I mean, what I think works so much about this movie is that I saw you mentioning about how it kind of reminds you of some of the sort of the earlier Spider-Man films and things like that. Mm-hmm. This really does bring a, a sense of those early 2000s, you know, uh, comic book films and some of the ones even in the nineties, almost where it's, it's like, yeah, it's connected to what you've got in this grand scheme of things, but not everything needs to be about setting up everything. And, yeah. It's fun. It's just so much fun, and it's just everything about this works. The casting is fantastic. the The pacing is fantastic. This movie goes for over two hours. It feels like it goes for about ninety minutes, and it's just mm-hmm. everything is fantastic in it. Um, the special effects are great, uh, and just even the story is fantastic. Because I have no idea who the hell Shazam is. <laughs> Again, I don't read, <laughs> but just just such a just such a fun fun movie and currently 91% right now in Rotten Tomatoes at the time of recording this. So it's only just behind Wonder Woman in terms of the DCEU ones, but we just, I just can't speak volumes. I mean, Mallory even straight away, as soon as the film ended, turned to me, he's like, I love that movie. Like it was just so, mm-hmm. so good.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Jamie and I mentioned some stuff, uh, you know, in the, the first review. Um, but one of the things that surprised me about this is uh, obviously there was a lot of humor, And the comics have humor, they kind of have a little bit of a satire feel to it, but it's still a straight superhero comic with serious stories, you know, some drama to it, uh, particularly the rebooted version of Shazam, which wasn't even its own comic series, it was like a backup feature in Justice League a couple years ago, and that's what kind of got this going. You know, that's where they really introduced a lot of stuff with him being sort of orphaned and uh, the, the foster family and everything, and... What what I think I didn't expect was how good the emotion of this movie was going to be. Because humor aside, like as far as humor goes, this is probably the funniest superhero movie I've ever seen. And yet, at no point does it actually sacrifice the drama or the emotion. Like, I really love Billy Batson's character. I loved his whole family in this, the Foster family and everything, and all the characters. And maybe it's because... This is the first time, uh, again, I mentioned it with Jamie, but all this stuff about the first black superhero, the first female superhero, the first this and that, here we have the first child superhero. I mean, this isn't, you know, a a child and then a man. This is a child that just gets the body of a man, but the whole point of the story is that he still is a child, and I feel like that's something that's going to hit more with younger viewers. The people who do love Spider-Man, it's because, well, he's a younger character. Now we have a character who's barely hit puberty. He basically still is a kid. And in some ways, I feel like, you know, that helps this movie feel a little bit different because it's not just, you know, here's this guy who's dealing with gamma radiation or uh, a bad heart or shrapnel stuck in his heart. This is a kid who just, he doesn't know how to deal with these superpowers. And sometimes that, becomes humorous, and sometimes it's like, oh, gee, he really screwed up. How is this kid going to deal with that? Like, the movie just hits dramatically and emotionally so much more than I thought it would.
0: And I think it's one of these ones that when we saw the trailers for it, it was one that I guess we were kind of scared, weren't we? That like, oh, this looks great, but it just it might not. Mm-hmm. you know I think kind of Suicide Squad got a lot of criticism for being marketed so well, but then kind of, oh, bringing a bad movie. But I think... Mm-hmm. It worked because everything you saw in the trailer was in the film, but then it's also a case of they didn't overshow everything in the trailer. You know, it's kind of I went into this, yeah, you remember the trailer scenes, but the majority of that really had nothing to do with the overall story, uh, which I think really, mm-hmm. really worked well. And yeah, you're right, like this being sort of the first kid superhero and that goes in, I think, to the casting of this film. Like there's not a bad person in this entire movie mm-hmm. in terms of the casting. And I I really was not familiar with Zachary Levi coming into this. Uh I never watched Chuck. I've never really seen him oh, in anything. Shit. I just want to point out that this guy is Jimmy Fallon's twin. Um, like everything about this entire movie, the whole time I'm watching it going, this is Jimmy Fallon. I'm watching Jimmy Fallon, aren't I? Like, it's, it's like,
1: it's like if Jimmy Fallon were funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good point. But, um, oh, he was just, just brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of these things where it's like, you don't know how good a person is in a superhero role until you see them. Uh, I would compare that to, to Paul Rudd. As Ant-Man, mm-hmm. it's kind of it just works, you know, you think like, ah oh, yeah, you know, that's that's a, a decent casting, but then you see it, and it's like, wow, this fits so well. And it just ties it back into that, I guess, early two thousands aspect of superhero movies where you can have fun and seriousness mixed into it well. And it just yeah, Zachary Levi is fantastic. And even the the younger version, Asher Angel, um just this one thing with the casting of this film, all the younger versions are so perfect, mixed with like yeah. the older versions, like there's, there's one I really wish I could talk about, and maybe I will because it's not necessarily a spoiler, but the, um, the Freddy character, who the <clears> whole <throat> time I'm watching going, God, who does he remind me of? Who does he remind me of? And then basically exactly the same moment, Mallory and I turn to each other and goes, Seth from the OC, Adam Brody. He's a <laughs> spitting, spitting absolute image, like a younger version of Seth from the OC. And lo and behold, there is a connection where Adam Brody is in this movie which is just, yeah. a, we turn to each other like holy crap, like that is incredible because it is absolutely <laughs> spot on casting. And that's what this film does so well, I think. is It's just the casting, I mean the family involved sort of uh, around Billy and Freddy and just sort of, you just kind of want to watch them. You Like there's a movie that you could watch just around them outside of superhero-ness and Oh, just I I just can't speak highly enough of the casting. I I might even go out and limb and say the best casting in any DC movie so far. Yeah.
1: And like let's also, you know, lump uh Mark Strong in there too who's mm. already had his shot to uh you know be a villain in a DC movie because the Green Lantern movie that, you know, predates this DC uh, EU, uh he played Sinestro who's the main villain and and I think that's the one thing I'm sad about with his casting this because he's great as uh, uh, Dr. Savannah here but he was like the ultimate like the, the one good thing about the Green Lantern movie is him and Sinestro and Sinestro is like you know the equivalent of Lex Luthor in the DC universe and the fact that he's now here means that I would I was hoping if even if they did reboot Green Lantern which they should that they somehow found a way to keep Mark Strong in there but Mark Strong just appears in everything and is always amazing and uh, along with, you know, how good the emotion is in the movie for like Billy Batson, his character, I mean, it opens with him. The the, the pre-title sequence is all his backstory. And then he kind of disappears and reappears in a while. This isn't one of these things where he's an underdeveloped villain, but he is gone for long periods. And then every time he comes back, I think the reason it works so well is because we got that little bit of backstory from him. And, you know, he he's a real sinister villain, but he's he's a villain with a purpose, which is uh, again one of the things that that is kind of Marvel tries for, and even the biggest defenders of Marvel will say, yeah, you know what, they they always cack it up with the villains, and here I think that DC is they have like a great track record, even with the the movies people don't like, with nailing some of these villains, and uh, I'm going to go as far as to say that I think that he's stronger than any villain we've seen in a DC movie yet. I mean, he's you know there's some divided opinions on. Lex Luthor, you know, mostly negative. Uh but uh you Zod in the first one, uh you know great performance by Michael Shannon, but um was the Enchantress, in Suicide Squad, Aww. Ares and Wonder Woman, Steppenwolf, you know, I feel like all those villains are decent, but this is like an iconic villain from a character that wasn't really the first choice to be in here because you, you don't know much about Shazam, but you probably heard that, you know, The Rock was cast yeah. as this character, Black Adam. Adam. Yep, Yeah. And he's still a producer on this movie, uh, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But that was the original plan was just to be Black Adam because that is the most well-known villain that Shazam has or Captain Marvel has. And I was very skeptical and disappointed that we weren't going to get a Black Adam one. And just with that pre-title scene alone... I'm like, okay, I'm on board for this villain. And I've gone back and read like the first issues of uh, the original Shazam comic from like the 40s. And Savannah is the original villain introduced in the first episode. So I think it's appropriate he's in there.
0: It, the whole movie, though, with Mark Strong, I actually thought it was. Um... Christopher, Christopher Maloney, you know, from uh, SVU <laughs> the whole time. I'm like, oh, hey, it's a dude from Law and Order. And I'm like, okay, it, no, it's not. He was in Man of Steel already. <laughs> True. Yeah, exactly. They just recast him in that. But, um, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said. And the thing I think which is interesting with kind of um, some of these villains and everything, and, you know, someone from the outside sector like myself, who, again, doesn't really know a whole lot about, a lot of things in the comics and particularly like with a character like this, where I really don't know anything about, it's kind of interesting to sort of have this. And then you have your, your mid credit scene and kind of setting it up. And I mean, that's personally one thing though, that does frustrate me a little bit with the DCEU is that you have so many setups now in post credits and we just haven't had a payoff with any of them. Like, Justice League, we're still waiting for that payoff and just kind of all these ones. And I, I guess it's, you know, the aspect of the DCEU where they've got so many of these films in development, there's nothing in concrete, which I'm sure hopefully they will connect all these films with these post credit scenes eventually. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still, I think it's, it's very interesting from an outside for someone like me who straight away goes, Oh, who is that? Like, you know, I've got to Google it or see you've got a little worm on your, uh, picture. Um, on there, but um, yeah, I think, I mean, especially we talked about in Captain Marvel about how the special effects weren't exactly fantastic. Um, I think this again, great special effects uh, when it comes to this. The the transition when whenever we have, you know, the switch between Asher Angel and and then moving into the Zachary Levi character mm-hmm. is is fantastic. Uh, you know, all the action scenes are great. Um, you fit this in with the score. I think Mallory left this going like straight away, like, oh, I really like the score for that film. Like, it, you know, it really yeah. worked well. Um, And I think just visually it just is fantastic. And it's kind of, it's just everything about this. And, and the, even the setting I found interesting, like Philadelphia, this is... Uh, universe DC kind of separates from Marvel in the fact that DC generally makes up you know has made up cities compared to you know MCU which has real cities and I didn't realize that Philadelphia existed in the world where Gotham and, and Metropolis and edge city uh, were all a thing like this uh, is that in the comics or have they just kind of taken a bit of creative freedom with using Philadelphia in a movie
1: well in the comics I think it was New York City at least originally but I mean the other thing is that uh, the, the DC kind of inherited this from another comic publisher. So it wasn't originally created as one of the DC comics. It sort of became it, you know, a couple of years later. Uh But I, when you said there, it's like, a, I didn't realize Philadelphia was a real place. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> thought you were saying. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like, I, I think that it, it could go both ways. I mean, you know, the Marvel movies. I think originally going back to like the first, not the current Marvel movies, but like the original Spider-Man movie uh, that got a lot of credit because they said, you know, this is taking place in a real city and it's something that audiences can identify with. And I feel like now they have so many of these characters that the location just sort of gets lost. I mean, you know, who really cares where Ant-Man is from? Uh, I don't even know where Captain Marvel took place. I think the reason that Black Panther Work so well is because it was a fictional place and you had something new you could deal with. And I always like that DC has their own cities because you can build what you want out of it. But this taking place in a real city, it, it helped to ground because this one was more of a comedy. It's, it's very much almost uh, a satire of superhero movies, even though it's included. I mean, we don't want to give it away too much, but the, the cameo that Jamie and I talked about mm. of uh, one of the characters from the other DCU movies You know, that plays like it's a parody. uh, And I feel like if you had a fictional city, this would feel like it doesn't belong with the other movies. And it being in a real city, that's one of the things that helped to ground it where I feel like this could be connected to all the others. Uh, Because that's the other thing that, you know, the media was saying from the beginning before this movie came out, this movie is going to be a standalone movie and not connected to anything. And then you watch this and it's like, the other movies are all over it. I mean, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Aquaman. I don't I don't remember I've think there's probably a Flash thing in there, but there's they're the all a bigger – yeah, during the credits, yeah. But that's a huge part of this movie, and that was one of the struggles that um, – I remember John Favreau after uh, he made the first Iron Man. And he was originally, uh, I guess, speculated to be the director and was in talks to direct Avengers when they eventually got to that. And his reason for not doing the Avengers movie was he said, I can't figure out how I can combine – this gritty, real-world Iron Man in the same universe as this god, you know, Thor. And how do you take a character like Shazam, which is a completely different tone, and ground it in the same world as Suicide Squad? Uh, and I, I, I think it, it sounds weird, but placing it in a real city, something c- people can identify with, makes it so this doesn't feel like it's its own separate parody of superhero movies, that it still belongs with the others. I'd find it very interesting to do a rewatch
0: of all the DCEU movies because I think it's... I mean, it's obvious if you go back and watch Man of Steel right through to Shazam that there is a big tone shift. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. like as you were saying, it's kind of, you know, you can... Have that in its own way because I mean, even the MCU does that. It's kind of it's
1: nope. Black pe- Panther to Spider Man Homecoming,
0: <laughs> yeah. And like I mean, people think it's it's all like oh, they're also you know funny and this sort of stuff. And it's like okay, there are definitely elements there. But like Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman had their comedic moments in them. Like yeah, okay, they're not Shazam, but it's not like they were you know Schindler's List or anything like that. Like you yeah. know there was humor in it. Um, and I think it would just be interesting to see that that shift, because obviously a lot of people talked about that in Justice League, about how they kind of went out of their way to make it this way. But there was, again, there's still elements of that through that. And, I mean, you and I were definitely big fans of the real realistic dark grittiness in those earlier films that I guess people complain about. And it might be interesting to see if we ever get that anymore in sort of films moving forward. I mean, it sounds like The Batman is kind of gonna be going back down that path, which would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But and sort of with the connections, it's like yeah, they, they don't have as many as, say, you would an MCU film, but as you said, like there's absolutely heaps of references. I mean, I would argue there are more in this than there were in um in Aquaman, easily. Yeah. And also uh even in something like Wonder Woman. I mean, if you kind of think mm-hmm. about that, outside of the opening and closing scenes in Wonder Woman, there's no real connections to that. So uh, and the subtle thing about the references in this film, it's kind of you, you live, you're following this in a world where superheroes exist and they still merchandise them like they do in our world where it's just yeah. based on <laughs> movies now, which I think is hilarious because if you lived in a world where Superman exists, they're still marketing it the same as they would if it was a movie. You know, so still wearing a Superman T-shirt and having Superman on your backpack, I think it's it's hilarious. Um, And the the cameo is great. Although I will say the only the negative thing I have to say about the cameo is that clearly it's not the actual person who plays that because you don't see (laughs) their face. Like that's a shame, but it's still. It's still funny, and also the final credit scene when they're talking, like, and they're sort of having the Aquaman moment is kind of funny as well. <laughs> um, one person I just wanted to quickly mention that I should have mentioned in the um, the casting as well uh, a real DC connection. John Glover is in this. Movie. Yes, <laughs> Lionel Luther himself, um, uh-huh. and also, and I cannot say his name. Is it Demon De- 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 Honsu? How do you he say he's it? John Jai-min- Honsu. I love him. He's great. Yeah. Um, So to me, overall, I think this film, if you were to compare it, if you had to look at say, the MCU, this is kind of like Doctor Strange mixed with Spider-Man and Ant-Man. That's kind of how I would look at it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, I, I'd say Spider-Man: Homecoming too. Yeah, uh, dealing with the teenage stuff, and also the the very end. If there's if there's one thing that wasn't completely original in this movie, it was that final scene leading into the credits, where they're like, all of a sudden, we're gonna play a 1970s punk song you know, yeah. <laughs> with this flashy <laughs> credits. Uh, that was very yeah, novel. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, I would say those three movies. That's that's the perfect combination because it has this magic to it, but. The magic isn't presented in this, you know, fantastic way. It's presented kind of dark and mysterious and very scientific, too. Uh, That's kind of what what makes Dr. Savannah work so much as a villain, because you exist in this world where there is a wizard, a very corny. You would think corny looking Jaiman Hunsu wizard with the big beard and the cloak and you know, uh, lay your hand on my staff, young man, <laughs> like things like that. <laughs> uh, and then Savannah comes in as the villain, and he's like, okay, magic exists. Now let me use science to actually reach this magic. And I guess Thor is another one that kind of touched on that too, but I feel like this does it so much better. Um, but the Jaiman Huntsu, like this is, we've had a couple of crossovers of uh, actors appearing in both DC and Marvel. Not only did Jaiman Huntsu appear in both DC and Marvel movies, he has appeared in a DC and Marvel movie in the same month. Both Captain Marvel. <laughs> I mean, this guy is owning superhero movies now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love him, and I, I forgot that he's kind of been in that. He also was the voice in Aquaman, apparently, of Fisherman King Riku. So he's ah. already appeared in another DC movie a couple of months ago. So this guy's just cast in everything, apparently, when it comes
1: to uh, to superhero movies. Can I um, uh, we- ask yes. you a question? Um, Please do. Jamie and I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I everybody had heard this is a lower budget superhero movie. So there are some people out there like, oh, this movie's only going to make you know fifty million dollars on its opening weekend. I don't know what the the final total is going to be, but. Then you're constantly have to to remind them. Okay, this movie only cost eighty million dollars to make. This is like half of what every Marvel movie costs to make. It's probably a third uh, of what you know Justice League or Batman vs Superman cost to make. And I didn't feel like it looked like an eighty million dollar movie. And and one of the reasons why. And I picked this up, you know, when they introduced the the I guess the team, the creatures, the the. Uh, main i don't want to give too much away but yeah there are some villains that they have to fight in this movie and the effects for them looked almost like 80s effects not in a bad way but it reminded me of something you'd see in raiders of the lost ark or ghostbusters and a lot of the other effects like the the bus scene that we see It looks like a $200 million movie still, but I feel like one of the ways they kept the budget down was they said when we're going to see these magic creatures and stuff like that, let's not have it look so perfect like Aquaman. Let's have them look like something that would remind you of those classic movies you grew up on like Ghostbusters that in a weird way, those effects kind of feel more effective. And and here it's a, a bit of a throwback, but it doesn't feel cheap here.
0: I I mean, going back to what I said before, I think the the visuals look fantastic in this film. And I, I don't even think I really notice that too much. I can see definitely what you're saying, though. I think kind of there is a definite aspect of that um, sort of, you know, the 80s throwback. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible to think that this film is based on, you know, 80 million dollars and, you know, there's still a fucking lot of money, but like, I mean, in today's society, it's not a whole lot of money, I guess, when it comes to making films like this. But yeah, I definitely see your point. I, I just think I there wasn't really anything in this film that I left thinking that looked bad or like that didn't work. Uh, you know, unlike Captain Marvel, which there were definitely moments in that going, well, that looked bad. Um, so yeah, no, but I definitely see what you're saying with that, and I think kind of I've seen a lot of comparisons saying that this has a feel of kind of those 80s movie you know like a you know a, a goonies or things like that it's yeah. kind of it's it's reminding a lot of people of how they sort of would make a a movie for for teenagers or for kids you know based on stuff that still can be watched by adults at the same time
1: mhm and also just the fact that this character is not that well known i think that's why it's impressive this movie is doing well and that there were a lot of people interested in it because Yeah, Marvel's at the point now where they've simply run out of their major characters. So they're and on name value alone, people will go see any Marvel movie, even if they're like, oh, like that was kind of the joke when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Like nobody knows what Guardians of the Galaxy are, but you put the name Marvel on there, and we're gonna pay you know 100 million dollars opening week. And and Captain Marvel could be the same thing. Uh, DC they have a lot of these major characters they haven't done anything with yet, like Green Lantern, uh, Flash, and the fact that coming right off of superman and batman before they even got to justice league they said we're going to do suicide squad something that not <coughs> not many people are going to be familiar with and then they do wonder woman and they're like well let's do shazam and i like that we're getting this mix we're getting kind of a back and forth of let's do aquaman a big one and then let's do shazam and i'm kind of excited where they could go from here because we don't have to wait you know 10 15 years to get to maybe like the ones I'm excited about, like Hawkman or a Blue Beetle movie. You know, Blue Beetle will be another one. I, I feel like if Shazam's a big hit, Blue is going to kind of be the next one because that's like DC's Spider Man, another teenage superhero, at least the recent versions. And this some people are just oh they're praising dc too much but like think about it there's certain things i i was talking to somebody this week and they were saying you know even though i'm a bigger fan of the marvel movies i gotta say the dc post-credit scenes definitely get me a lot more excited than the marvel ones do uh because the marvel ones are all just sort of a joke now i mean it started with you know avengers of them just sitting around eating falafel or whatever it was um but there are certain things that like you have to give dc credit for and they really have a lot of variety in the movies they're putting out now and i think that the fact that this movie's done so early when they don't have the name value alone that people are going to pay to see a dc movie they have to sell it and they managed to sell a movie called Shazam about a guy who's wearing a very corny costume and that is actually just a kid that turns into a grown man they sold that movie and totally delivered on it and i feel like it, this could you know be the big boost bigger boost than i if aquaman boosted people's confidence and hey we can make a fun movie i think this is going to boost people where they're like you know even if i haven't heard of what it is i want to go see a dc movie because you know they did something different with Shazam and it worked
0: which i think at the end of the day too is that This is where it baffles me is still this negativity around it because every single DC film, it's not like they've just absolutely bombed out. I mean, okay, you would argue Justice League didn't do what they would hope it would do, but all the other films still made a bunch of money. And it's also a case of you look at what's coming up, at least the confirmed ones, because as I mentioned before, you know, the DCU is kind of all over the place when it comes to, oh, we've announced this film, oh, wait, it's on hold, we've announced this one. So the two that we 100% know are coming out uh, next year, Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984 which, again, Wonder Woman, critical, you know, absolute success. Uh, You know, people argue that is the best of the DC films and a groundbreaking film. And the fact that Birds of Prey is based purely really around Harley Quinn, who... No matter what people say about Suicide Squad, they generally argue the best part of that movie was Margot Robbie Mm. and and Harley Quinn. So you've kind of got two ones that are going to come out. And even if you look at what we've just had, Shazam, I mean, at the time of recording this, it's just opened. Uh, You obviously watched it two weeks ago in an advanced screening, so we don't really have a whole lot on the box office, but it seems like it's doing okay but Aquaman, I mean, who would have thought Aquaman would have made, what, like a billion dollars around the world to to basically be the most successful of all the... Like, I would have not have pictured that of all the DC ones, that Aquaman would be the one to do that. So it's still got the fan base out there. People are still going Mm -hmm. to see them, which leads them into making these films. So, yeah, DC EU will defend it, and it's not as bad as people say it is.
1: Yeah, and I feel like especially if you're looking at the last year i'd say even year and a half you you go back from wonder or i guess now we're at two years you go back the last two years i feel like the last two years of dc is stronger than the last two years of marvel because i didn't feel like black panther was a great movie i thought aquaman was uh, not aquaman uh, ant-man and the wasp was fun but kind of forgettable uh, you know, Infinity War was great, but I feel like it's going to be better when we get Endgame coming out. And I didn't think Captain Marvel was that good as well. And w- what else did we have in there? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I guess, that was okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that one. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like the ones, Marvel or DC, in the last two years, where I'm like, I love that movie, I would say Wonder Woman, I'd say Infinity War, and I'd say Shazam now. So <laughs> overall, I feel like we're really getting more out of dc lately than we are marvel marvel it is all how connected the movies are and oh isn't it great that we had that one scene in you know uh captain marvel uh (laughs) where they show a tesseract and how that ties into everything else okay yeah that's, that's that already paid off. Why are people getting excited <laughs> over, hey, we're, we're teasing something that happened nine years ago. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And Shazam, it's not really setting up anything for the future. We don't know what they're going to do after this. Are we going to get another Justice League movie? I don't know. Um, we're going to get the Suicide Squad coming up, but that's sort of its own thing. And I like, uh, uh, this is, again, not, oh, DC does it great, Marvel does it bad. It's just, I feel like Marvel is so connected with everything and you have to look at the DC movies and not say, are they doing everything the way Marvel's doing it and say, what are they doing differently that works? And I actually prefer these movies that are less connected. We talked about that when we covered the Spider-Man movies, uh, you know, what was that? Just last year uh, or probably longer than Three, that now. Two years ago, uh, I think twenty-seven. Two years or, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that those early Spider-Man movies, it was refreshing to watch a movie where Spider-Man existed in his own universe, and it wasn't about, oh, well, there's Spider-Man, but then you have to think about, well, why isn't Captain America here stopping Vulture? You know, these characters can be connected, but they exist in their own universes, and it's not all about how are we going to set up Captain America in Civil War because it has to pay off in the Avengers. Well, then you feel like Civil War didn't give proper closure, and this is its own standalone movie that is still completely connected to the others. But you don't feel robbed. Like, that's one of the reasons why I said this feels so much like those classic superhero movies, like the classic, but still, I guess, modern age, like the original Spider Man's. Mm. Uh, because it exists in its own world and it, he's his own superhero. And it's not about, Superman, where are you? Batman, where are you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's,
0: this was definitely one of those ones where I think in Aquaman, I was a bit like, well, hang on a minute, why isn't Superman here? But this one, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, like they, these guys are just doing their own thing in Philadelphia. They don't need to have Superman. Come along, and yeah, as you said, they kind of got their own thing going on. Um, I guess before, I mean, you've already rated it, you've bought it, I'm buying it. That's that's just a given, yeah. um, just to kind of put that in the tick that in the box. Um, obviously, kind of superhero wise, we look forward to Avengers Endgame, but for DC wise, as I mentioned, sort of we don't really have official ones in the EU sort of coming out into next year, but mm. this sort of leads us into Joker, which is this is where oh, it confuses yeah. me with um the DC EU because. Are they saying that Joker's part of it, but not part of it? Like, how does it fit into what they're doing? Because it's still created by the DCEU, is it not? But it's separate? Like, what? how do they explain this off? I don't understand what they're saying.
1: From what I understand, it's its own standalone movie that sort of exists outside of the the rest of the universe. And, and obviously, we see the Joker in Suicide Squad, and this movie clearly takes place in the 70s. So um, I, I guess if you were to look at it, I mean, a, a lot of the same people were involved in making Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman that were involved in Christian Bale and the Dark Knight trilogy. But yet the Dark Knight trilogy, despite them having a lot of you know, talks and even negotiations to make it all one universe, that kind of exists its own thing. Uh, I, I guess the easier comparison would be, you know, Venom, um, Venom mm. is existing in his own universe, even though Sony's making it, but it has no real connection to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, and I'm kind of excited. I mean, it, it's weird that the Joker trailer, it's it's basically divided down the middle. You have a lot of people who are saying, uh, oh, it looks like, you know, uh, really boring or it looks terrible or I didn't expect it to look like that. And the other people are like, wow, this movie looks so different. and so unique. And I'm kind of in the the, the camp of it looks unique. And I didn't expect anything You know, that would be a big superhero movie. To me, it looks like this should be like a 1970s Martin Scorsese movie. I'm kind of excited about it, especially from the trailer. But again, I'm also excited that they can still make a movie that doesn't have to be connected to everything else. Because think about how limiting that is. I mean, what do you do in the Marvel Universe or whatever else? If you want to do a Joker prequel movie, well, Jared Leto is not old enough that you can recast a young version of Jared Leto. Now they could say, hey, we want to make a Joker movie. We have this idea. And the comics do that all the time. Mm. You'll have, you know, the Batman series that's running on, and then they'll have another Batman series that comes out at the same time that's just its own standalone story that has nothing to do with everything else. So it's kind of fun that we can still have movies like that.
0: And I, I think I'm excited for it just in the fact that I'm a big Joaquin Phoenix fan, mm-hmm. and I think that guy can do pretty much anything. Um, he might be the male Meryl Streep. Um but- <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, I just for that alone, I'm excited for it. And, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I agree with you. I think it's kind of, it is limiting that you can't do a lot of things like that, but this will make it interesting. And I'm glad it's still sort of been produced and done by Warner Brothers. It's not like, you know, yeah. Universal has come out and said, we're going to do a rival. You know, it's not um, Never Say Never Again or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, this is still in its own sort of world created by the people who had the rights to it. So yeah, it'll be it'll be intriguing because I actually I saw a um Mark Hamill shared a post on Twitter the other day. Somebody had put sort of side by side all the jokers and their laughs, um, kind of, mm. you know, from the movies and, and the shows. And it was just it was they've all got their unique take on it. And I kind of think this is one of those ones where it's kind of like debating who's the best James Bond or, you know, things like that. Like, people like to debate who's the best Joker mm-hmm. and because it's such an iconic character. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Joaquin does. That's a name that should be used more often. Uh, Joaquin. Joaquin. Well, name my son, Joaquin. So I can JB Jamie and I
1: got the uh the twins coming, so maybe oh, there you go. one of them will be Joaquin
0: Hilding. Joaquin Hilding. Um uh, mixed with um uh oh god, i forgot his name already, Djibouti or uh Ge- Jimon. Yeah Jimen, Jimen, thank Joaquin you.
1: Joaquin Hilding.
0: The Wonder Twins. The Wonder Twins. Um But yeah, I guess, as I said before, our next sort of big film coming out will be Endgame. It's only in a few weeks now, actually, isn't it? So have you got your tickets yet? People are buying their tickets for (laughs) it already.
1: Uh, I'm sure this has happened in other places, but the the main theatre chain here in Canada is called Cineplex. And uh, it became a big story that when the tickets went on sale that there was so much demand, it crashed their website and their app. Uh, and I, I do know there's some people who are going for the first showing, but, uh, the unfortunate thing is, um, with the twins, I, I guess, scheduled due date being two weeks later. And the fact that we do have twins coming at this point, I can't really commit to anything until day <laughs> of, uh, because I could very well buy my tickets. And then Jamie's like, Oh, I'm, I'm in labor. So. I've already resigned myself that I'm not going to be there opening day the way that I was for you know pretty much every other superhero movie uh, or two weeks ahead of time. In this case, this will be something that you know the day after on Saturday I'll probably try to if the twins aren't here go uh, like ten or eleven in the morning, show up at the theater and then just hope their seats.
0: I yeah they've they've started doing the sales here and we've only got the one cinema in Invercargill and they've actually just started here finally allocating seats, which uh, they never used to do. So um, we're probably going to pre-book it. But again, we don't really know. I mean, we'll just go and see it obviously eventually. But I think also one thing that um, we we might have throughout this month too, which you and I might end up doing an episode beforehand, is uh, we should possibly have the first Star Wars trailer at uh, Star Wars Celebration, should we not? So that should only be a week or so away. So uh, what are you you more excited for, an Episode nine trailer or Endgame?
1: (laughs) Um, at this point, it's funny that I, I, I said that when, when I saw Shazam, I, I told people, like, you know, if I had to choose right now between seeing Episode Nine for the first time or seeing Shazam a second time, I might pick Shazam. That just seems to be the go-to where I'm like, it's not that I'm not excited for Star Wars. I'm sure when it comes out, I'm going to be more excited. But Last Jedi just sort of, it diminished it so much that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm more excited for Endgame than the trailer <laughs> for Episode Nine. If they both came out the same day, I know which one I'd pick. Uh But I'm just – I'm shocked that, you know, we've had the reservation to not do a reaction episode on the fake poster that came out or the fake title or um, Mark Hamill's tweets. Here's the reaction to Mark Hamill's tweets. You know, we're doing good compared to Last Jedi. Maybe that's the other thing about Last Jedi has diminished our expectations. We're not going to be doing reactions for everything. But, yeah, when the trailer comes out, definitely we're going to do something for that
0: which I think when we first started the Oz Network, that was one of the first sort of episodes we did, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't that long yeah. after we started that we did that. But, um, yeah, I've got to say that I, I, I'm I exactly with you with The Last Jedi, but I'm also still very intrigued to see how they can turn it around and hopefully turn it around. But uh, we've got Star Wars month, year coming up later this year or whatever, how many you want us to yeah. do it, so... Get pumped for that! And uh, also, on a side note, on our spin-off levels in the Oz uh, Network extended universe, uh, hopefully a 007 episode coming soon with uh, hopefully some James mm-hmm. Bond Twenty Five news coming out soon because it's about twelve months until we get that movie. And we did about twenty five hundred episodes on Spectre in the lead up to that, so I'm sure we're <laughs> going to do twenty five hundred and one in the lead up to um, Bond Twenty Five, Shatterhand, or whatever it is of a lady. What is it? Echoes of a shadow of a lady or something of a lady?
1: <laughs> what is it?
0: Um I am not one? sure what you're talking about. <laughs> There's another title that they're putting it out there saying that it could be. It's something of a lady. Uh anyway. Uh
1: well, there was a it, short story like that, so
0: Yeah. Well in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We have our uh weekly Third watch episode still going, lost ones. Well, blame Noah. Um he's busy, so they've kind of been put on hold again. You've got some weekly ones coming out soon as our uh, Niptuck coverage has ended. You got you want to tease any of what we've got coming for those?
1: Yeah, uh so Rossi and I are starting back up in Niptucks time slot. Um we're gonna be doing our random rewatches again. And we got uh, a couple good ones coming up. i um won't spoil it too much, but the Rossi's got a couple of AMC shows that he's big into uh but we're gonna kick it off with the pilot episode of a great Canadian drama called Saving Hope, a supernatural medical drama, uh <laughs> that stars Erica Durant, also known as Lois Lane from Smallville. So that'll be this week. Colin's favorite boobs. Uh, yes. <laughs> I... <laughs>
0: Um, and for our niptuck fans as well, just the final posting we will have is not an audio episode. we'll be posting a a written uh article on our website where basically uh i've ranked all one hundred episodes of Niptuck from one hundred down to number one, and you can read those if you can read unlike me so uh <laughs> yes, and also anniversary month is continuing as well. um uh, Get excited for that, and if you do like us. We appreciate that. Why not leave us a rating or a feedback on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. We would appreciate that. It helps us get spread out there a little bit more so we get a few more listeners and uh, we would appreciate that along the way. But until then, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Go and see Shazam. It's a great film. You won't... Be disappointed unless you're a Marvel fanboy, which even then you won't be disappointed because it's still a great <laughs> film which appeals to both camps of superhero fans. In the meantime, my name is Bannon. Oh, hey, what's up? I'm a podcast host.
1: Ahem, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Colin, but you can call me Thundercrack.
0: Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.